Welcome to Free Burn. This is Matt Ballard, your host. This is the podcast where we talk all things mental and behavioral health in the first responder community. Real life firefighters, police officers, EMTs and paramedics, clinicians, and doctors. It's time we have the real conversation and burn the stigma behind first responder mental health, one podcast at a time. And welcome back, folks. It's Matt Ballard, your host, Free Burn 2023. Today, we're going to sit down with Dustin Jeter, seven-year vet of the Louisville Fire Department. Uh, he's a peer team member. He's been married for 11 years, two kids. Uh, welcome home, brother. What else you want to add in the, to that bio? Would I miss anything? Um, no, you didn't. Uh, glad to be okay. here. Uh, excited to uh, you know sit down with you and kind of help break that stigma in mental health. And go Heck yeah, there, man. You know? That's what it's about. Yep. All the honest conversations that need to be had. Yeah. That's what we're doing here, man. That's a fact. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it is time to break that stigma and start having those real conversations for sure. Because mm-hmm. we're all, and so, the, the thing is, man, we're all so much more than just firemen and we're husbands, fathers, you know, children of God. Like we're, we're so much more. And I think, I think sometimes people lose sight of that. Yep. hundred percent. So tell me a little bit about Louisville Fire Department, man, and y'all's, you know, just a quick rundown of uh, what y'all are about and your peer team and where y'all are at today as far as like peer team stuff. So peer team stuff, man, we've been, we've been fairly active or extremely active, I guess. Um, We do a lot of uh, like couples nights. We've had Mm -hmm. people like through first come in and talk about show like the physiological aspect of what this job does to you and why you take things home and subconsciously doing things that you don't even know you're doing. And we all do it. Um, the couples nights have really kind of helped in regards to you bring awareness to the individual. Right. But I don't know if you know this, but I think firemen are pretty stubborn. Um, no. So when you bring awareness to the wife, that brings <laughs> right. accountability and honesty into, into the relationship. If the relationship is willing to go that way. So, Yeah. Doing that has definitely been a game changer. We've probably had over, I'd I'd say over half of our um, firemen and their spouses go to these things and, and be active in them. And they're, and they're, they're truly an amazing thing because you always have people asking for more. And so I know at first they're, they're adding in another, like a a second part to it. It's more of a hands-on. So we do that. Um, We've had people come in, like I said, and give, uh, an insight to every member to kind of get everybody on the same page of like what the job does, why you have these ups and downs. Why do you want to be at work all the time? Uh, why are the hobbies that you used to have? Like, why is everything numb to you now? And so we've had, we're kind of gearing up over the last three years. We've been trying to catch everybody up on the why and what happens to you. So now it's the, ultimately the goal is to get some kind of like proactive, um, mental health program in place that way yeah. it's not just us. Cause we have actively, I want to say we have 12 members okay. that are active and out there on shift on your talking to guys. Yes. And from, we're trying to get more every year and that's kind of the process we're going through right now is, is adding three to six guys to the, the team that are active and are going to be out there asking yeah. the hard questions. Cause I think just like, you know, awkward conversations have to be had when you start to see conversation trending that way. So yeah. how many, de- how many stations does Louisville have? 
So Louisville has eight stations. We have two trucks. Okay. We have, we're implementing a second battalion in October. Uh, we have five medics and we are fairly busy. I think we're on pace to hit about 16,000 calls this year. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. So medics are busy. We have, uh, a lot of like section eight homes, you know, we want a lot yep. of, a lot of serious calls, a lot of good calls, a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff we see. So, yep. plus we have okay. a part of the lake. So, you know, drownings are always, a yeah, that's uh, a big part of it. A heightened call volume in, uh, in the summer months. Yeah. For those that don't know, uh, Louisville is just north of the Dallas Metroplex, just right outside, right? Maybe what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, mm -hmm. something like that. North of Dallas, Louisville yes. Lake so, area, obviously. Yes. So like Northwest. Yeah. We're just, we're just outside of, like a lot of people know Denton. So we're just, we're just, just over the other side of the lake of Denton. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, so seven years in brother and, yeah. uh, it got you so to speak. It, it did. It did. And that's, yeah, that's a little, it I, seems a little early, right? Yeah. But I mean, I, I think it does so. happen. Yeah. It happens like that for, for mm -hmm. some, and there's a reason, I think there's a reason why, and you're going to get into that. You know, I was, I had a very different childhood and I think everybody's life building up to who we become and like, once we join the fire service, a lot of that is, is like everybody calls it. It's all baggage, right? I always yep. equate it to like a glass of water. So when I joined the fire service, my glass of water was three quarters of the way full. Right. I didn't know that, you know, I just, I'd live life. Um, I had a, a father who was in and out of, in and out of jail. I didn't really know him much. I come from a heavily addicted side of the family from his end. And then I had a mom and a stepdad. Um, that were both addicted to drugs through my youth. So I didn't really have a lot of healthy outlets growing up. Uh, right. Got into a bunch of trouble and got shipped off to live with my grandmother. That's kind of when my trajectory ultimately changed because she's a very God-fearing woman. She had structure, discipline, you know, that that's when it started. Like for me, the, like learning to be a man, I guess you could say, and learning the difference between right, right and right and wrong and having that moral compass. Yeah. So having all that baggage, you know, from my youth, um, the woman who ultimately changed who I was going to be, uh, got cancer the year I actually hired on. So from my first year there being a rookie, having all this stress of, you know, being the new guy, learning protocols, learning maps, learning districts, learning apartments, uh, trying to be a good rookie. And then when I get off there, I go see her, you know, and yeah. She actually passed a year later in, in 2018. So how old so, were you when you first came in? How I was old were you when 20, you first came into service? 25. 25. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you came in a little bit later. I mean, I was 27 when I came in. So yes, yeah, I know. I know how that goes. Yep. And it was it was good. It was good for me that I think I came in with a little bit of life experience. You know, being in a workforce. The yep. reason I actually came in was because I worked a nine, I was a nine to five guy. I worked mm -hmm. at Peterbilt Motors and I did it for seven years. The moment I turned 18, I got hired on there on at Peterbilt and I did it for seven okay. years. Yeah. Uh, two of those being going through school, but I was, for me, I needed more than just a paycheck because I made good money, you know? Right. My benefits were great, but doing the same thing every day, just, it just wasn't for this guy. So I actually gave my wife a choice of police, fire, or military, and she, Thank God she chose this because I love it. Chose right, man. <laughs> I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
those are all honorable careers for sure. But I mean, obviously we're, we're kind of biased, I guess you could say towards fire service because that's what we do. Oh yeah. And I tell everybody I have the best job in the world. So every yeah. third day get to yep. hang out with some like-minded guys, you know, be aggressive, do fun stuff, fight fire, run great calls, you know? So it's, we really do have the best job in the world. Yeah. Are y'all working 2448 still or? We are. We are currently on 2448s and okay. 4896 are being looked at along with uh, currently we're looking at four man staffing. So all those okay. things to be progressive in the fire service. Yeah. Yeah. We just switched over to 4896. We're, we're in our trial period, quote unquote, but I think it'll probably, we'll probably stay there. Just depends. Vast, you know, vast majority like it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's good. I mean, two days can be rough sometimes. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. but the the four days is, is awesome because it gives you time for recovery and just being able to bond with your family, you know, in a bigger stretch, I guess you could say. Yes. And I'll tell you, like, I know that you've probably seen all the statistics, like when it comes to mm -hmm. like less sick time, things like that, there's, and like first is kind of leading the headway, especially in North Texas. Like people don't realize that when we're on shift, like, you know, we're elevated. Like we're, yep. we're all peaked out up here. Oh yeah. And normally people don't, they don't, they don't go through all these ups and downs like we do as intense as we do. And so actually 4896s, which is kind of a study that first is doing is it causes us to level off more normal, like normal yep. humans. So the things that we eventually deal with and the things that kind of make us crack it, it'll help level those things off. You know, yeah. chemical balances, cortisol, you know, all those things that, that we get in our system that keep us on this roller coaster, you know, 4896. Yep. You're standing that, that fight or flight. Yep. Yes. Hopefully it'll, it'll help make things better, help st stop the highs being so high and the lows being so low. And so the, I know yep. that's a study that's, that's happening now and hopefully good things come out of it because every little edge that we can get, we need. So you're what through your rookie year and yes. So I was through my rookie I, year going through it and, uh, you know, arguably going through the hardest part of my life. Cause there's obviously as a kid, you grow up and you, you're, you're born in the circumstances you're born in. I was a child. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't change actively change anything in my life. So to me, like I thought, well, I honestly thought like I washed my hands of it. Like my, my childhood was my childhood. There's nothing I could have done to change it. And I've, I felt like what I did was for gave everybody for everything that I went through as a kid. Yeah. Little did I know after my grandmother passed, which was arguably the hardest point in my life. Um, you know, I had, my daughter was two, my son was just born. She never even got to meet my son. That's how, that's how sick she got. She, she lived for a, a year. She retired, yeah. got diagnosed, uh, fought her fight for a year. And, uh, I, w I would say she lost her battle, but ultimately she won because of where she is. Um, Absolutely. Yep. But at that point, you know, it was like just water in the cup, just add water. And I didn't even know that the water that was in there was currently in there because to me, I was like, I'm good. You know what I yeah. mean? So go through my rookie year and I don't, I don't know how I imagine most people, you know, you have white clouds or black clouds. Unfortunately for sure. me, <laughs> I'm a black cloud. So, yep. To give perspective on that, me and my my best friend in the fire service, we uh we worked together for probably two and a half years, and mm -hmm. every single CPR was mine. It just because we we have a dual medic box, so we flip flop calls, 
Well, sure. it's just, it was just dumb luck that it was always me. And we probably yep. had over a dozen and a half to two dozen CPRs and signal 27s in that time frame. So it was just, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's my luck. And it yeah. makes me, f- yes. And so you don't even know you're stacking them because some of the calls mm-hmm. you forget, like when you're at this table and you're talking, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that call. Some of them you don't forget. Some of them you remember so vividly that it's not healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're, yep. we're pushing through my rookie year. Loved it. Love Louisville. Love everything about it. Um, after the, like I said, the, that was my hardest year. And, and unfortunately, like I hate saying this, but it's, it's ultimately true at that point. Like I had so much anger built up. I'd kind of turned my back on God because I felt like you, know, yeah. you took you, you took one of the most important things from me. Um, and I never, cause I never got to pay her back. And that's the, I think that's something that will always haunt me, but it's also what makes you like your relationship so great when it comes to like death, like the love that you had is, is so important. Um, cause I never got to take care of her. Like she took care of me and I felt like I was robbed of that. So I was, I had a lot of anger and that's ultimately, that's what came up and, and broke me. And my wife yeah. looked at me and said, you either need to get help or we're not going to be here anymore. And I was, that's kind of when it all, it all happened. So through 2017, 2018, um, started running calls. Um, you know, just as good as anybody adult calls, like they're older, you can kind of chalk it up to like, okay, like I'll remember this vividly, but it doesn't weigh on me. Um, Mm -hmm. then I had a string of, of some pediatric calls that, uh, like for instance, there was, uh, the first one that I ever ran was, I had a 30 year captain tell me that was the worst thing you'd ever seen. And I'm like, yay, I saw it year three. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yep. oh yeah, this is going to be good. Um, but it was a rock truck versus a sedan doing 70 and it T-boned them. And so everybody has, which I you could probably attest to, everybody has something that they keep like from calls and whether it 100%. smells, the things they see, mine are always screams. Is so, it really? Yes. So the screams of every call, my first CPR, the wife standing at the door screaming, help my husband, help my husband. Uh, the boy from this accident was screaming the entire time that we were on scene. Those things are what truly that and this, obviously the, the things that we go through and the, the call itself. But when you want to talk about like what haunted me and what kept me from sleeping and what really affected my life totality wise it was it was the screams yeah so um i think we talk about that every podcast that i've done we've i laugh because it's not funny but it's no they're all the same dude it's like Mm -hmm. everybody takes something with them from the calls that we run for me it was airbag smells the powder yeah from from Mm -hmm. okay that's one of them that's one of my triggers i know that now (laughs) uh Another one is kids' shoes, bro. It's crazy, but every like bad fatalities I've had, I've seen kids' shoes on the on the highway. So and I don't know what it is, man. It's just something with that, right? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's so it's, individualized to every person it is. how different it can yep. be. And I have a couple of other ones, but I mean, luckily I, I'm you know, I'm not okay with that, but I am okay with it now because I've learned how to how to handle that and how to deal with it through MDR sessions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yes, nuts, how, to man, turn... how, your, how your mind grabs a hold of stuff like that. Oh yeah. It's crazy. And it's, 
it, it's even crazier to me that you can't <laughs> like you have it's just like any other physiological response right your body just does it your body just holds on to that itself it chooses for you and you're like yeah why did it have to be that <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't have a choice man. here right yeah it's crazy but i mean it is it's a real deal so yeah bad calls are starting to happen and oh yeah so, so how many years in so I was probably two, two to three, uh, I was two years in when that happened, the, the wreck. And it was a pivotal moment for me because it was like the first time I really ever saw trauma. And yeah. so we were playing, we were actually playing ping pong at the station cause it was a, it was a weekend. And, um, uh, -huh. the, the wreck was right outside the station. We turned right, turned right again. And it was a hundred yards down the road. So there's a signal 27. There's a girl whose life's changed forever because she had a diffuse axonal injury. So the axons that create like thought to, to movement sheared. So, yep. uh, her, and then the, the boy, like I said, was screaming, like there's so many lives that were changed forever. And I never realized like the depth of the things that make us like great leaders, you know, empathy being one of those, like I'm an extremely empathetic person. And I never realized the depth of that and how that would haunt me because yeah. when we got back to the station, and I'm like sitting there and everyone else is like, man, that was nuts. I'm like, yeah, as a father, I was the girl in the back seat who was a signal 27. When we got there, I'm sitting here thinking like, there's a mother and father like at home, she's cooking, he's mowing the yard and their lives are profoundly changed forever from this moment. And I'm talking to y'all sitting in a chair, like yep. this part of my French, like I was like, I'm fucked up. Like this is fucked up. Yeah. I don't know how to feel. And that to me is something that moment right there. That's something that every fire department needs to capture. Like before, before they get to that point, let them know this is normal. This is not normal. Right. Cause that next day, that's all I thought about the day mm -hmm. after that. That's all I thought about for weeks. And so you move on six months to a year later, that call, then I had a box when I wrote, when I was at Central, the busiest station that we had, uh, every time I rode the box with a guy who's now about to promote to captain, uh, we'd have kid calls. That was just every shift. We'd have a kid call, whether it be a seizure, uh, whether it be SIDS, whether it be, you know, just a kid fell and they just want the mom. It was always kids. And I told him, I said, yeah. we got to stop riding the box together. Period. Mm -hmm. um, you got to go, bro. Yes. One of us has to leave or we're not yeah. allowed to be on the box together. I don't care how this works out. <laughs> right. So wow. the, you stack that on Sid's kids. Um, uh, before, like after the call with that, that wreck, there were a couple like Sid's babies that we had ran on. Um, I'd realized like, okay, something's like my anger is like getting super intense. And I, I need to, I need to fix that. So before my wife even said anything, I reached out to EAP and I was like, all right, I need to get ahead of this. And unfortunately I got a counselor or a therapist that wasn't versed in like what we do or the, the, how to deal with the trauma that we see. Because once I started really unpackaging a lot of the things that I had seen, that I was like, that was just hard for me to deal with. Um, she told me, she said, Whoa, you can't say that. No, no, I, I don't want to hear that much. I'm like, do you want to hear it at all then? And really, yeah. So that actually caused me to stop going. And that was a moment of like, 
well, I guess I'm on my own. Just can't handle it, man. No, a lot. I mean, that's why you. That's why we need vetted counselors. Yeah, ones that people we can that go are more to. versed in. Yes, versed in our lives, yeah. like explaining twenty four four or yeah twenty four forty eights or forty eight ninety sixes to people, or explaining how how medic shifts work, like and things like that. Like, I think that there should we should have our own like dedicated body of you know therapists and psychologists that help us through the things that we go through who want to hear, 100%. you know, yep. to help us truly unpack it all, not just kind of open the suitcase and, and each individual call has its own box. That's not, yep. that's, that's not how you fix things. No, not for us. It ain't. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Try to get help rug pull. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'm not, this isn't gonna be anything good. So start stacking up, so more, how- put more water in the cup, every shift. How was station life for you at that time? It was I know great. Home life is, I mean, was the anger coming yeah. out on, at Station Life too? Um, it was, um, but through a different avenue. I'm an overly competitive guy, like yeah. way overly competitive to a point to where, like, I was ruining relationships because I, I didn't want to lose, and I didn't know. Like we talked about before, right? You come into the fire service, and all this baggage you have with you comes with you. Like mm-hmm. failure for me was being irrelevant, right? Because my parents didn't really, I was the youngest, I was the runt. Uh, I didn't really feel it. Like, I didn't get a lot of attention. Um, they for actually, I actually had a, a birthday where my parents completely forgot it was my birthday, right? And wow. they didn't, they woke me up at midnight to to give me a muffin with a candle in it just because they, like they, they realized that they 100% forgot. So for me, through the vast majority of my life, I've felt completely irrelevant. And yeah. so- the only way I got attention was through being good competitively. And so failure to me just wasn't an option. So yep. as I'm, how does that transcend into the fire department? As I'm going through these calls and I don't know about you, but, or anybody else, but when I got into this, I wanted to help people. I wanted to change people's lives. I wanted to be the difference. maker. So I have all these people that end up passing away or have these CPRs. I'm not getting anybody back. And then the guys that I'm riding with, they're all one's a, one of the best FTOs we've ever had. Two of the other guys are just stud medics. They do everything right. So, you know, I have the, I have the pressure of being as good as them. Yep. And I have the pressure in my own mind of no failure. So I come in every shift, have a CPR. It doesn't work out. I'm like, come on. And I go back to the station. I'm like, all right, it's your fault. It's on you. So go back to the yep. station, be, be sharper at protocols, be better at drug calculations, be that way. There's no, there's no hesitation, right? Because if I can know all this on the forefront, fundamentally, I will yeah. perform better in the field. And so I was like, it's on you go back, do it, be better at knowing where things are, you know, don't let yourself skip a beat. But even yep. though I progressed and it made me better for sure but it was still confirmation bias is what they call it is no matter the outcome of the situation. I looked at all the things that in my opinion were confirming that you're a bad medic. You need to be better. You're failing, you're failing, you're failing instead of looking at the facts. And that's what you do in that situation. When, when nobody's there to help you to, to truly analyze the situation with you. And I was just every time, bro, every time I just dig that hole deeper, dig that hole deeper and I'm scooping, you know, shovels full of dirt, out of this hole because yep. I'm telling myself you're not good enough. And so I'm trying yep. to be better, but I can't. We are our own I, worst enemy when it comes to stuff like that. We have like no that. control over it. Yeah. 
Yes. I know a hundred percent what you're talking about. Cause I'm, I'm basically the same way for me. You know, I'm, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to stuff like that. Testing's mm-hmm. one of my, my nemesis right now, you know, oh, emotional yeah. test. It's just like get my butt kicked by them all the time. You know what I'm saying? And I, mm-hmm. I study, I do everything else. It's just not my time, you know, and it's very frustrating for me. Oh yeah. But you know, so I get what you're saying. I can see it. 100%. Yep. You're that magnet running all the, mm-hmm. all the bad, good calls, right? Yeah, I guess you could say, and just trying to validate yourself in in a in a sense, I guess you know is what it is. But a hundred percent. So next for me was uh, again, like I said, quit therapy. Um, there was a pivotal moment that for me, and just well, like I will always remember it. Like I, right right after I quit going to therapy, about I don't know a month later, I, I like I'd look at my hands and I would just my self-talk was terrible. I think just like the majority of people who get in our situation, who get that low, their self-talk is just bad, bad, bad. And I looked at my hands in the kitchen and it's shift change with C shift. And I'm in my class B, you know, I'm ready for the, the day. It's probably six thirty, six forty, And I'm looking at my hands. And I'm just like the hands of death. Like I just, yeah. that's what they were to me. And, uh, battalion calls the station. They say, what's the lineup for the day. And, the one of the guys I was with gives them the lineup says Jeter's on the medic and I just remember standing up my back against that wall just screaming in my mind like fuck damn it like yeah I was just screaming like help me and there was there was nobody to help right because so no peer team at this time correct no no peer team there the biggest thing that we had at the time was hey if something bothers you you know like you're at the kitchen table you're like hey are y'all good everyone's like yeah we're good it's like okay cool and then like to the next one, you know, because yeah. I wasn't going to go to those dudes, those ace, those like stud guys, like who to me, like I look up to, I want to be those guys. I'm not going to go and say, Hey guys, like this, this messed me up. Like, I don't know how to get past this. I've hit a wall. Yeah. I'm not going to them. Like, and nobody else is talking about it, So I'm like, okay, we're just going to keep trucking along. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only one that's going through this. That's how I felt. You know, Alone. nobody knows what I'm going through. Yeah. Mm-mm. You're yep. by yourself. So, trucking along at the station things are being the normal uh for me anyway uh i know for you we had talked previously man anxiety through the roof um coming i literally felt like a race car that was redlined the whole time just that motor screaming the whole time and i'm always in fight fight or flight always i can't sit still i can't have normal conversations my emotions like anytime something would happen like boom anger boom anger it was just the only emotion i had so I was actually ruining relationships at the station because we all, we had a really good station life where we all hung out together constantly. So through that came competitive like events, things like spike ball, ping pong, you know, the normal. Yeah. And uh, I just, dude, I was a straight running asshole, like just no regard for anything I said. And I hated, I hate being that person. Um, but that's, like I said before, all the stuff from, a, from, pre-fire then into fire like the failure the anger that's just that's how it manifested for me mm-hmm. till the we had a i was working b shift i was working ot and we had a four-year-old drowning in a hot tub it was late at night and uh, the kid was 10 days older than my daughter so that was uh i never i never wanted anything more in my life like in that moment and this is really kind of what ultimately made me snap 
is because uh, as you're holding this boy, we take him to the medic. We're doing CPR. Um, there's like 15 people in the back of that medic, and I look over, and I'm with – thank God I'm with uh, one of the guys that – my FTO. Um, yep. He was on that call with me that day, and I told him, you're on airway. Start delegating tasks, doing CPR, and – I had him to lean on, which is awesome. I had to clear out probably five dudes out of the back of that medic so we could actually work. Um, I never wanted to save someone's life more than in that moment. Like yeah. it, you want it so bad. And with all the things that I already experienced it, like don't fail, don't fail, don't fail. And then the call went great, right? If you ask anybody, you ask anybody that was there, the battalion was there, like everybody was there. And it was like, they, they even told me like, you couldn't have done any better, but that's, that wasn't the case for me. Yeah. Uh, we get to the, to the ER. I remember straddling this kid on the cot because I was doing chest compressions and mm -hmm. they wheeled me in. I was, I was sitting on them, gave report and I'm sitting in the EMS break room and I am like done, but I can't show that because this room's full of 10 people, my battalion, uh, the battalion, the fit driver, the guys I'm with, the captain. And I'm sitting there at the computer and the EMS break room is adjacent to the trauma room. Well, all I yeah. can hear is that mom screaming. And so it, uh, hmm. as you're sitting there and you're, your, your self-talk isn't that great anyway. And you just hear her like pleading with God. You're like, man, I can't sit here. So I walk out of the room. Um, you know, we go back to the station it was a late night call. I didn't sleep the rest of the night. Um, went home and that's when the conversation happened with my wife. Like we were driving to Walmart and something, I can't even remember what made me like, I just felt, I snapped. That was it. I'm just crying. I'm like pissed off. And she's like, that's when she tells me like, you need to see somebody. You need to try again. We, you've got to fix this because the person you yeah. are like, we can't handle it because we talk about how it was at the station. Like I love those guys, but at the end of the day, I'm a husband and a father and I came home and I was just like, I imagine you can attest to man is my patience was this thin. Uh, I couldn't even play with my kids because I couldn't sit still that long. Like yeah. my daughter was my granted, My son was like one to two years old when I was going through this. And my daughter was about like two to four. And so she want to play and I couldn't even play with her. If they yep. spill something, I would lose, lose I would, but break like i'm like what are you doing you know i feel like a terrible father i'm not communicating with my wife because i can't i can't say anything to her and i'm ruining the relationship with my wife because i'm not attentive i'm not communicating i'm not asking her like what do you need from me you know there's there's me with all my problems in this little corner and i'm just beating myself down and yep. everyone else is around me just watching from the outside. And mm -hmm. like I said, the screams, right? That's, that's what haunted me. And I'd be home. I'd be sitting there eating. My kids would just be playing. Like they're not doing anything wrong. One of them screams, boom, like didn't skip a beat. I am at a 10. Yeah. And could, couldn't, couldn't so you break completely into the red. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, I know how and that is, dude. A lot of the similarities every with time. me too. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's it's ridiculous how much of this follows us home. Like how much of it truly affects like 
every facet of your life, no matter what yeah. you're doing. And it changes yeah. you forever. Sure. It does. If you, and people wonder why, why is divorce so high in the fire service? Why do people die of heart attacks? Well, let's talk about the, the hormone releases. Let's talk about the unwillingness to communicate or to give on anything because the, the losses that I was taking at work, I'm not taking them at home. I'm making decisions mm-hmm. and you're not going to tell me no, you know, because there's, yeah. I have control there. You know what yep. I mean? And yeah. so you're not willing to budge and you're just this tyrant asshole of a person. And that's, no you can't tell me that that's not a storm <laughs> brewing that, that will change your life or alter your life forever. Oh yeah, it does. It changes you. Mm-hmm. Right. It does. I know it does. It changed me. And I hated it, but it was like, for me, I didn't know really what was happening to me, you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, I was that asshole and it was what it was, you know. Yeah, that's what people really say. Getting... You're just an asshole. I'm like, I guess so. I don't know how I became this person because yeah. I don't think anybody is like, okay, I'm changing a little bit. I might want to keynote that, you know. You just, yeah. you, you're driving and all of a sudden you get to where you're going and you didn't even try, you weren't, you weren't even trying to get to that place, but here you are. And it never goes away, dude. At least for me, it never goes away. It's like I'll do fine for a, a period of time, and then something will get me, and then mm-hmm. I'll. I, you know, that's, that's part of that resiliency, you know. It'll hit me, and then I'll go into that spot for a little while, and then I'll, okay, something's going on, yep. and then I have to check myself, and then get back to square one. Mm-hmm. It's all about that and, resiliency, man. But it'll never like as long as we do this job, and that's the biggest thing that there's a handful of things that like key people, like key things that people need to understand is as long as we do this job, the, the things that set us off, the triggers that we have, the situations like we get into where it's fight or flight, those will never go away. They never mm-hmm. will. But what nope. we can do is we can have the knowledge to combat those things, to bring us back down and to help us re-engage and to be intentional with the relationships that we have to not yep. ruin them, but check ourselves, be honest with ourselves and to learn from it and be better. And to, yeah. to truly change it because the only way, you know, and I know the only way to truly get rid of it is to take out the variable that causes it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to quit being a fireman. <laughs> so, no, I really don't either. One of these days I'll have to, but, uh, I don't think I'm there yet. I don't want to be there yet. I, yeah. No, you know, I, I'm definitely not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have 22, almost 22 years in and I know it's getting close. Mm-hmm. But I still love fighting fires. I still love serving the, the public, which is what we do. So, yeah. But the beauty of the resiliency, yes. But I think having given you the tools, and this is like a disservice to every generation that came before us, because I, I, I know you've watched a guy his last shift there walk out of the fire station. You're like, he is like he's not <laughs> like it's been a good ride. Like you've done everything you can. Like what you've done is truly change the fire service in a hole. And they're like, they can't walk out the door. And it's like, there's so many things we can do with resiliency training with uh, helping them unpackage their whole career before they retire to make them more successful for the next chapter of their lives. And we've done a disservice to the fire service by not doing that. Yeah. Yep. And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about here lately is is retirees, right? (laughs) Getting rid of all that baggage that they've carried for, 25, 30 years, however long they've been on, they need to separate themselves from that so that they mm-hmm. can move on in their retirement life and not have to dwell on the crap that they, they did for the past 20 or 30 years. 
the crap that they saw and everything else. Oh, 100%. So we need to do a better job at that also. Yes. Because just as resiliency and like uh, therapy and, and all these things that we can do to make us like to benefit when we're here, when we're on shift, there's so many things we can do pre-retirement to help us transition into that next phase to be yep. better at being that person. Yep. Because that's all life mm -hmm. is, is a chapter. Like you, you go through these chapters in life, life, well, let's make you better at being now let's, let's, let's focus on being a great dad. And, you know, Cause we, like I said, we are so many things before we're firemen. Yeah. So why should the fourth thing or the fifth thing that I identify control the rest of my life? It shouldn't. Yep. Mm -mm. And so setting them up to undo, like you said, empty out that baggage, man, like get rid of all that stuff. So the next, the next page you turn, you're going to be a better version of yourself for having yeah. done that. And you're yep. going to be more successful at being a grandfather, at being retired, at being a husband. And it's, a, it's like I said, it's a disservice that we do and that we have done in the fire service yeah. as a whole. You're never going to get rid of it. Like we talked about earlier, but at least you'll know no. how to deal with it in a better way. So when those mm -hmm. things do come up, you know how to deal with them, get out of them faster. Let's get back to the green as, as quick as possible. And that's where the agency and everything else comes in. So with you, you're, you're at that point, right? Mm -hmm. you're, well, you're done. You've had enough. Okay. Yes. So what was the next step for you? Did they take you so off, the, off duty or? No, it was still a secret. Like it was, I just broke to my wife and then like everything had come to a point, you know, and because ultimately, right. When you get married, you know, um, you become different people throughout your life. And I was becoming a different person and neither one of us liked that person that I was becoming. I hate, I hate looking back and thinking like who I was as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a fireman. I, I, I don't, I need to stop saying hate is what I've been told. And uh, I really dislike that person. <laughs> so, sure. yeah. uh, the dislike I have for him is so big that I'm also grateful because now I can look back and say, I will never be that person again. So when I do get to those points, I'm like, Hey, pull back, give me a second. And like I said earlier, your spouse, like my spouse has been, my wife has been such an integral part of this because you can go all day and try to check yourself. But when she looks at you and says, babe, it's time. You're like, okay. She keeps me honest to a point to where it's, I can't hide from myself. I can lie to myself all I want, but when she looks at me and says, you want to take a second? And I go, I do. So without her, I know my growth in this wouldn't have been as substantial for yeah. sure. Because just Same like that mine. moment, right? When we peaked, she said, you've got to do something like something has to give here. It's either you change or we're not going to be here. Like yeah. nobody I didn't want that. I didn't want to become that person. So just like in that moment, she keeps, she keeps me honest. And that's where the information for your spouse, like to me, when we truly change the fire service as a whole, it's not just you that has the information to be better. It's your spouse. It's your kids. It's everybody in your life. That's there to, to help you be the best version of yourself. Yeah. And so that's, that's one thing why. that our peer team is lacking right now is the mm -hmm. that end of it i think it's coming but we don't we don't have a anything set for our families and our kids as far as like the programs that y'all have we all have the family night or whatever it is we need yes. that through our department too so and that's 
that's why I think pure, like I would love to see like, you know, we have KTA keeping tradition alive, all the pipes and drums guy. I'm in mm-hmm. pipes and drums. I love that stuff. I love the tradition of the fire service, but man, I'd love to see something where all these peer support teams get together and they discuss things that work, things that haven't programs that they're doing programs that they've done. And they're like, ah, this really isn't for us because the faster you can get all that information out, the faster we can truly ch- really like change everything from this point on. Yeah. Because I've helped. You, let's just make it happen, bro. It. Oh, I completely agree. <laughs> I'm good with it. We, yeah. uh, we've talked to Richardson. We've talked to so many departments. We've, we actually have had other departments, members come in and sit in on the couples nights that we've had. So it's, and like I, like I told you, the next one we have, I'm extending an invite to you. You can come out. Dude, I would love uh, to I will come. more than likely be there with my wife. I love having yeah. my wife there because she, she's a little less outspoken and I don't like speaking in front of people either, but, um, I've had wives that'll reach out to her and talk to her and about truly how, how, how was it with me when I was going through those things to give them insight so they can be better spouses for their husbands who are going through this stuff because yeah. we all go through it together. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving to out that information to, to, yeah, I'm trying to, to get better. her to, to hop in on a podcast. Yeah. Or something. Like, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, look, wives <laughs> need to know. I mean, you went through some serious crap too. You know, it wasn't just me. It was the whole family. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe one day she'll, I'll, I'll get her on here eventually. Good. I'm still working on it. Good. <laughs> you can't say this, but you can say this. And that's yeah. our, our peer team leader. His wife has been amazing. Just like he has, mm-hmm. uh, she's doing wife, like wife night out and they're doing, they've heard my wife and two of the other wives. Like they've done what's called our watch, which is where you do like therapy but you're with like horses and mm-hmm. horses are like, I don't know what they call it. I can't remember, but they're like social creatures where they feel everything that you're holding on to. And so yep. if you've got to be honest with them and then you'll get the reaction from the horse, it's actually my wife and I did it. It is a, an experience, my friend, if you do it with your wife, it is a, there's a lot of rawness with the other couples you're there with. And that's, yeah. you know, you see that you're not the only one going through this. You're all going through the same things. And your wives are like pointing at each other. like, you too, you too. And you're like, time out. Let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not put fingers here. Yeah. So that's it's crazy, it, man. And there's a lot of those out there, man, but there's a lot of programs out there that, that advocate for your relationship with yeah. your spouse and your relationship mm-hmm. with your kids. And we need to get all that information out there. Yep. 100%. I don't know if you ever looked at the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance, but Jeff did. Yes. And dude, it's just steadily climbing. I mean, it's not until that number's man at zero, I'm not going to stop or unless until I'm in the grave, one of the two. You yeah. know, we just can't. I mean, we're losing too many people to this stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if it's because of lack of resources or just not knowing about resources or they just I don't Both. know what it is. Or both, it's it's you know it's both, man. I've I've talked to guys from other departments who don't have peer support teams. You know, I've had people Same in my here. house, guys who needed truly needed help, and they come over, and I'll refer them to all the programs I can. But, dude, you remember just like I remember how lonely it is. How like you're on an island, and there's no there's no change in sight, and you can't I say I don't know what it is. You're alone, but I man. do know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I know what it is because I was I was almost there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just like you said, 
you're the only one that's dealing with this crap and nobody out there understands you, you know, and that's the way I feel. What are the things that keep you going in life? Really and truly, like, what are they? My, my wife, I live for my wife. I live for my kids. You know, I live to be a godly man. I live to be a great fire. Like I want to truly change people's lives. And when you start identifying as all those as like, I suck at this, I suck at this, I suck at this. Nothing in my life is going right. Like I can't change anything. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. What, like, I see why it's so high. And that's the yeah. the worst part about the fact when you look at those numbers is every, every single one of those is 100% preventable. Sure. And that's the thing, dude. Now we got to figure out how to get to sad. those people before they get to that. Yeah. Before they get to that point, you mm-hmm. know, and that's so. That takes people like you, takes people like me, takes people like our yeah. peer team leader, all the guys we have on our peer teams. Um, because if we can all get that out there, right, and through the course of our careers, change one person's life, and that one person talks to another person, changes their life, like eventually, right, through time and through exposure, you will have a fire service that has changed itself from the inside out. Yeah. Yep. And that's what we all need. We need. PD needs to do the same, right? Because we look at military, they need to do the same. Like all these people that go through these PTSD events, the things that they hold on to that stay raw, like you have to change it from the inside. Now that you're on this side of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you still deal with issues like we all do. Oh, yeah. We've had, we've been through counseling and done stuff like that to, to learn how to deal with it a little bit easier. But you went through, who did you go through when you finally reached out for help? So when I reached out for help, it was actually a really like weird situation and as to how it happened because I went through EAP for a second time and Did you really? I was sitting, in, yes, I was sitting in my truck and I was like sitting here thinking like, I don't want to go in here. Like, she's not going to know anything. She's so I actually left because like I told you, I, I, I had had such a bad experience the first time. The second time I was like, I, I left and I didn't tell my wife, um, I had actually made the decision that I was going to quit. I was going to quit doing the thing that I loved. Yes. Because Mm. I couldn't go in there and have somebody else tell me again, like, I don't want to hear what you're saying. You know what I mean? I don't know if that would have completely crippled me, but I didn't have enough strength to go in there for a second time. Yeah. So I I had made the decision. I'm done. Like, if this is what's causing me to be this way, I've got to quit. Not even a week later, I'm sitting here going through my mind trying to figure out how do I, how do I leave the fire service but still, you know, provide for my family. Like, it's going to change my life forever. Um, a retired fireman walks in, uh, recently retired, and he starts talking to me about a program that he went through called Three for the Love. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, in my mind, I'm like, thank God. Like, he's telling me it worked. He's telling me they understand everything you need. They understand that the aspect of the trauma that you're going through, it's hard and heavy. It was everything I needed. And it was only by God's grace. Did I have that, that conversation from there? I reached out to my association president mm-hmm. and, uh, cause I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford on my own. Cause I'm, my wife stays home. I'm the, I'm the, the working man. So mine too, brother. Uh, I'm right there with yeah. you. Um, so I reached out to him and I, I just, I asked him for help. Like I, I didn't know what to do. And that was the first time I broke to a, like a peer, like someone else. And so, um, he was, I mean, he gave me all the help that I needed, told me he would always be there. Um, and he's actually the one that started my process through three for the love. Yeah. And 
through that, obviously I met my therapist. Um, but going through Jennifer's program is so in, it's intense. And I believe you went through it, correct? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's so intense, but it's intense to a point to where it's everything you need. Like I needed every bit of that. Sure. And, uh, that was very much an intricate part of me changing and yeah. to being a better version of myself. Um, yep. so went through her program and then I actually, um, started talking to her about going through workers comp and had to, this is, and I was still pretty uncomfortable with everything, you know, because I was still keeping it close to my chest. I wasn't telling anybody the, my best friends at the department, like they're like, why are you going to so many doctor's appointments? Because that's what I was doing when I was off as I was going to all these appointments for three for the so love. you were still on a, duty. Yes. Okay. Yep. I was still on duty and I'd go when I got off shift and I'd usually do all my stuff then. Um, so they started to notice, you know, things and I wasn't giving them an inch because I didn't want anybody to know, you know, yeah. I still very much felt like I was the only one going through this because nobody talked about it. And then when it yep. kicked in for me to, to start doing like the workers comp claim, Mm-hmm. Um, I had to sit down with my captain and then sit down with my chief at another meeting and things really started to change for me when I sat down with my cap, my current station captain. And he, he told me how everything I was doing was right. That, um, he told me I was on the right track that he wishes that he would have handled it the way that I did. And that things would have been different for him because he handled a lot of things in a way that probably shouldn't have been done. And he was like extremely yeah. proud of me for for taking that step. And I was like, I think, you know, just like, as you're going through this process, like you have like these sighs, like this, you take this deep breath of relief and you're like, Ooh, okay. I'm doing the right thing. And that was one of those moments. I'm doing the right thing. Yep. And from there, sat down with my chief and he was overly like, um, accepting of the things I was going through, wanted me to truly get help. So I did. And, from that moment, probably, I think it was right at three to four years in, it was four years in, I, I've i been seeing my, the same therapist that I've seen since that moment. Granted, do I see yeah. her? I see her less frequently, but yeah. it took it took that long to truly talk about the things that you're experiencing, right? Because you got to drink the water one sip at a time. You always start with the, the top end of it, right? You always drink the top level water first yep. to truly change and look at the aspect of, why do I hold on to these things? Why do I, why is failure such a transcending emotion for me? Why is it such something that just resonates in every part of my life to truly fix who I was? Right. And it, it's, it took a long road, a lot of communicating with my wife. And, um, one thing that I, I, I wish would have changed is like, at first my wife was like, this is your thing. This is not, this is not like, I don't know what to do for you. And so yeah. when I was at home, I was going through it alone here. I was going through it alone at the station and I had really nobody to talk to. And that's obviously changed through time. You know, after we've done sessions together, we've done probably three couples resiliency trainings together between our watch through first through um, all these resources. And she did, you know, ultimately she came to me and apologized for her. Like I didn't realize, and I don't think any spouse does realize no. like, how much of this weighs on you. And I would have been there for you and I'm sorry. And that's to me, like we talked before, like inform, 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 you know, give the tools to the, to the people, to the, to the, to the fireman, to the spouse, to the family and watch it. 
free burn, I yep. guess, you know? Yep. So, <laughs> so yeah, dude, that's awesome. You know, you're so how many years now have passed that you since the first time I got changed. So you're looking at, and it can dude, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to a 20 year guy, 30 year guy, 10 year guy. And that's what, you know, I tell these young guys when they come in, I have honest guy conversations with them because I would rather have an awkward conversation because just as you know, some people like mental health is an awkward conversation to have. Sure it is. I love living in the awkward now after experiencing mm-hmm. everything I experienced, but telling these guys, man, look, nobody, nobody gets to choose when they break, you know, cause yep. if we did, it'd be, oh, cool. I will pick the most convenient time of my life to lose my, my shit. Nobody gets a choice. You nope. may be one year in, this guy may be 15 years in. That's the beauty of individuality in the, in the, the road that we all travel. Yeah. It's so different, but we can all relate on almost everything. So yeah. the, the, the guys who are leaving at 20 because they're maxed out and they're done. We need to prevent that. These guys who have been here for three years who break and are like these, like a, a shadow of their former selves or like they look at themselves and they just can't stand what they see in the mirror. We can't let that happen. And everybody's journey is different. And that's the, yeah. that's the kind of beauty that we walk through life. Dude, you're headed in the right direction. I love it. You know, <laughs> you're going to be impactful. by the grace of God. I am. Yeah. I mean, Louisville is lucky to have you and I'm lucky to have you on this program because people need to hear that the workers comp stuff. I was right there, but just, um, I was scared, man. Like, should I, should I do workers comp or not? You know, I ended mm-hmm. up burning 700 hours of sick time that I had banked up. I had 1400 hours of sick time banked up and I used sick time and I was off for four and a half, almost five months, not on duty. And it sucked, you know? So oh, yeah, that's a whole nother avenue there. When you start talking about, you know, what's the best way to, to deal with it as far as like staying on <laughs> duty, staying off duty, you know? But and I think that ultimately, like for me, I was after the conversations with Jennifer and, and her team, like that truly like got everything rolling because I, I didn't know if I could be on duty. Like I, yeah. I didn't want to be pulled off duty, but mm-hmm. that's just having the, um, the guys who refer you out and having the resources and trusting those people to, to be the ones that help you to walk you along the way. Like that's why it's so important to find the yeah. right people. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, dude. Um, so what are the marriage things? Just go over the, the, uh, the marriage things that you did. So people will know first is one of them, right? Yes. So it's F1 RST. It's first responder mm-hmm. stress and therapy. Um, first responder. Tr- yeah. Stress and trauma. I apologize. Um, there you go. she actually, her name's, uh, her and her husband, both, um, do everything that you go through. And it, it's, it's, it's actually really remarkable. She's in the North Texas area. She does a lot of her, we actually did our peer support program started from her three day. So it's three days. You get everything you need from front to, to back. It's at the star in, uh, in Frisco. Yep. And so she has the, her peer support program. She has her couples night out program where she goes over the physiological aspects of the job it's extremely interactive to where, you know, honest conversations are happening between your spouse, giving her side of the story, you giving, you know, what's changed for you from your end and your spouse gets to dig, like write down what's changed on from her, her aspect yeah. of things. And it's just raw and honest and, 
it's it really brings light to especially to your spouse if, if and if you haven't had it for yourself it it shows you why you're doing the things you're doing to, yeah. to help you get through them she's implementing a second stage to the peer support or to the to the couple's night out which my wife and I are doing uh in September with some other couples and it's more the resiliency side right the training to yeah the the why so we know the why here's what you do to fix it yep and she mm -hmm. goes through some of that in her first class. I think she hits more of it in the second one. I can, which I'll for sure give you more details on when I go through it myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Another program that she has is called R Watch, uh, mm -hmm. and it's it's again in the DFW area. Like we have a lot of resources that are just easily tapped into. Three for the love, R Watch first. Like, and you can go through it with your spouse. Your wives can do it just as a yeah. group. I recommend doing it as a spouse first. Um, mm -hmm. Cause when we did it, you go through these evolutions with the horse and you have to communicate effectively and be honest with each other. If you want the outcome to be um, positive. Yeah. So during that, again, she goes through the, the why the physiological aspect and why we do the things we do. We do, we work overtime, why we're disassociated from the hobbies, disassociated from the family. And it's just, it, it really, any program she does brings light for you and your spouse and your family as to why you're dealing with the things you're dealing with. And yeah. I don't think you're going to go wrong with any of them. And I know she, she puts them on all the time, which after this, I will send you all the information you can yeah, possibly send me the information. <laughs> and, I, and I'll share that on uh, my Facebook and Instagram. So people know, I mean, it's just, it's resources, man. I mean, we're just stacking mm -hmm. resources now. Instead of, yes. We're still stacking traumas. We're also stacking resources for those traumas. So let's get that's it, a fact <laughs> to, to build resiliency. You got to have the tools to do that. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're all, we're all gaining the the tools we need to, to make us better for the future. Absolutely. And that's man. all we can do. Well, dude, that's awesome. I'm glad you're on this side and, uh, keep pushing, man. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, mm -hmm. you have the resources, you know, you have the support no matter what. So, Yeah. It's true. I think everybody has a niche in the fire service. And uh, after going through what I went through and potentially completely ruining everything in my life that mattered, uh, this is my niche. So from Same now till I, till I retire, man, it's, it's, I want to make the, every generation, every year of a fireman that comes after me more aware, more resilient, and uh, just overall better, better version yeah. of themselves. Yep. So we what found our niche. Yeah, definitely, dude. If you need anything from us, from me, Freeburn, whatever, um, reach out. Let us know. I mean, I'll go. I'll go anywhere that I can to talk about yeah. it. You know, I have this little. Uh, I've got a the PowerPoint presentation that I do is a mental health awareness, behavioral health awareness. And it's about a you know forty five minutes to an hour, and then I incorporate my story, and mm -hmm. I've seen that just already starting to take effect. With, with certain people so and that's that's and, the thing man we have to speak out like yeah the moment we're all no more honest and truthful with each other is yep. when you start to see the uh, the domino effect man is when, yeah. like you have guys coming to you having conversations you're like i see where this is going you know and so if we're all honest and we're, we're all out there trying to break the stigma together there's no way it survives right yeah yep. there's no way yeah but we just got to keep pushing we, yep that's a fact that's a fact yep. We're wrapping up, dude. Is there anything else you want to add, or um, just to man to anybody out there who's ultimately going through anything that 
everybody's ceiling is different. You know, uh, something that you're going through may not affect another person and that's okay, but be honest with yourself and, um, just know that as you go through your career, like holding on to things and remembering things is perfectly fine. Right. We all do. The problem mm -hmm. is, is, um, and this is why I try to tell the young guys is not the remembrance of what happened, but if I think about that or if something reminds me of that, and at a list, it's a negative response or a response that I need to get away from. That's the, that's the, that's the bad thing. Yeah. That's what you need to, to, to talk about, to fix. Um, yeah. because all those stacked up, that's, that's the demon we all fight. The things that make yeah. us great are the things that haunt us. So have insight, you know, have guys around you that you can be honest with and talk because I can promise you that you're not alone. There's yep. guys going through the same thing you are. It's just, they're just as scared to talk about it as you are. And through honesty, like just be honest with each other and, and uh, go from there, man. Everything will blossom through honesty. 100%, man. That, that's, that's the truth bomb right there, brother. Mm -hmm. Love it. Uh, dude, thank you for being on. Uh, I will have you on again for sure. We can just talk more mental health stuff. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Uh, real quick, if there's anybody out there that is struggling or uh, going through crisis or having suicidal thoughts or whatever, uh, 988, the suicide and crisis lifeline. Call it. Reach out for help. For some reason, you feel like you can't do that, get a hold of us, freeburn2023 uh, at gmail.com or contact us through our social media. We'll do everything in our power to find you the resources. Um, doing what we can, brother. That's all we can do. That's right. You're not alone. Yep. Well, thank you for being on, brother. Uh, I look forward to talking to you more about all this good stuff. And uh, we'll just continue to burn that stigma down one podcast at a time. I agree, man. Thanks for thanks, you know, to you for starting the podcast, being the the head of the train, man. Keep trucking yeah. forward, and uh, we're we're gonna do this this one day at a time. Yeah, it's gonna take all of us, brother. That's a fact. But hey, at least we got each other. Yep. There you go. All right, man. Sounds good. We will catch up with you later. Appreciate you, Matt. Thanks for tuning in to the Free Burn Twenty Twenty Three podcast. If you or somebody you know is in crisis reach out to the Suicide Crisis Lifeline at 988. Or if you're looking for counseling resources, contact us at freeburn2023 at gmail.com. We'll do our best to get you where you need to be. Let's keep burning that stigma one podcast at a time.